From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, October 5th. In the small resort community of Big Sky, Montana, 78% of workers commute from outside the area, according to U.S. Census data. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, Will Walkie reports on a new program that's trying to reverse that trend by paying property owners to rent to locals. Shannon Sears has lived in Big Sky for six years, and she's already moved five times. Sears is 33 and works for a title and escrow company, and she also sits on the local chamber of commerce. But ever since she moved to Montana from Texas, finding housing has been difficult. At an age I thought was something I had already gotten past, I had to move in with multiple roommates just to be able to get a roof over my head. Like in so many other Mountain West resort towns, the real estate market in Big Sky has skyrocketed during the pandemic. The median price of a single-family home is up more than 30% in the past year, and rents rose 65% according to recent market reports. Sears lost her local housing earlier this year, so she found herself commuting over an hour each way every day. The canyon has snow and ice and, you know, it's dark in the wintertime. So to pass the time, you listen to podcasts, you wake up with your coffee and you think about your day on your way home, you know, the decompress. So it really wasn't too bad, except it pulls me away from my community. 39% of Big Sky commuters say they want to live where they work, according to a 2018 housing survey. And often, vacation property owners want to provide that exact service but don't know how. Laura Seafang is executive director of the Big Sky Community Housing Trust. She owned a vacation rental herself for several years. And I had no idea how to rent to a local because I didn't know any local people. I only came out and visited two weeks a year, you know. And so I, I started from that perspective when we came up with this program and said, what, what are the things that get in the way of someone who owns a property out here from figuring out how to rent to a local? Seafang says platforms like Airbnb make it so easy for property owners to make money off their investment. So she set out to create a similar program, but for local renters. We help them figure out what to price their unit for. Um, And we provide a lot of, we call it a la carte property management services, so that if a person just needs a little bit of help with their unit, we can give them that. Inspired by a similar program in Lake Tahoe, Seafang started Rent Local in early 2020. She thought just the management services and appealing to people's morals would be enough. But by this August, she had only gotten 14 takers. For a lot of people, we just kept hearing the answer that They make too much money on the short-term rental market and that they, you know, everybody has a a motivation to make sure they can pay their bills. And so that's when we thought, well, we need to come up with a way to sweeten the pot. That's why starting in August, CFANG got several grants from local community foundations to help incentivize rental owners. Now, if you lease to a local worker for six months, the minimum to qualify for the program, the housing trust will give you 1500 bucks. For two years, it's 14500 The idea is just to let our workers have a sense of security that they're not going to lose their housing, which happens all the time here. Since the incentive program started, seven new property owners have already signed up. Sears, the worker we met at the top, matched with one of those landlords and moved into her own condo on September 1st with her cat. Oh man, lucky doesn't even uh, cover how I actually feel. I I am so thankful to be in this spot. It is close to my office. It's close to town. Sears also says she's feeling the benefits from her new home in her work life. 
my business is a relationship focused business. So, you know, being here in Big Sky where my customers are, where my clients are, I can't even tell you how important that is for my colleagues to see me around town as a local. Still, the program's not perfect. Seafang admits it's been slow to get off the ground and takes a lot of convincing for property owners. And rent still might not be affordable for all workers. People who had already been renting to locals before August are also asking how they can get in on the action, or else they might switch to leasing to tourists. And then there's the risk of grant money running out. But Seafang says the Big Sky community has to stay focused on increasing the housing supply for locals quickly through whatever means necessary. We really all appreciate these beautiful mountain communities we live in, but we have to figure a way to work together to support them and create a place that can be inclusive of all income levels and all the people who we rely on. In the meantime, help wanted signs are up in nearly every business in Big Sky, Seafang says, and time is of the essence. Will Walkie, KHOL News. This story is part of a collaboration between the Solutions Journalism Network and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, highlighting affordable housing solutions across the Mountain West. The U.S. Supreme Court heard oral arguments for a complicated water battle on Monday. The Mountain West News Bureau's Madeline Beck has more. The case involves Mississippi alleging that Tennessee takes too much water from an aquifer that runs beneath both states. Attorneys general from Colorado, Idaho, and Wyoming support Tennessee and don't want to further complicate water law by opening up a new kind of lawsuit over groundwater, which is what Mississippi has done. Dylan Hedden nicely teaches environmental law at the University of Idaho. It's going to create a lot of um, controversy, and, and, and I do think it would result in an increased lawsuits. Hedden nicely says we've long dealt with surface water disputes and have legal tools to help deal with those, but it's not clear how that applies to water underground. No matter what happens with this case, he says climate change will likely increase friction between states over groundwater. So he says it'd be best if we didn't have to fight legal or physical battles over it, but instead figure out how everyone can get enough water. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Madeline Beck. Millions of pronghorn used to roam the West freely, but impediments like roads and fences, as well as a changing climate, threaten the species' future. Eric Tegethoff with the Public News Service has more. A new web map explores the pronghorn's journey as it migrates the grasslands of the West. Andrew Jakes, a wildlife biologist for the National Wildlife Federation, says pronghorn need a connected habitat to thrive. And he notes that pronghorn aren't the only ones that flourish from habitat connectivity. Having a healthy and resilient ecosystem equates to having healthy and resilient rural communities. It equates to having healthy water. It just equates to having really robust wildlife populations within these different ecosystems. The website, known as a story map, is called On the Move and follows pronghorn migration from spring to winter. It was put together by the National Wildlife Federation and the Nature Conservancy. Jake says as many as 30 million pronghorn used to roam the West. After falling nearly to extinction in the early 20th century, numbers are now close to 1 million because of conservation efforts. 
Kelsey Malloy is a rangeland ecologist for the Nature Conservancy. She says a suite of animals benefit from conservation of the grasslands. It's not just the pronghorn that benefit when we modify a fence. Mule deer are benefiting from that too. And when we make sure that a ranch stays intact, that means that grassland birds are benefiting too. So it's all connected. Jake says it's worth thinking about the landscape as a whole. He says pronghorn and other wildlife on the move don't think about whether they're on public or private lands, or in the United States or Canada. So it's worth working with all these different entities to sustain this really important ecosystem. Jake's notes that grasslands are the most imperiled ecosystem in the world. I'm Eric Tegadoff. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, October 5th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.